Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're continuing on our studies in the book of Revelation. We'll learn about uh, the church in Thyatira. Verse uh, 18, Revelation chapter 2. This should be a Bible in the pew. It would help you immensely if you could read along as we study these chapters. You'll find out on page 1915. To the angel of the church in Thyatira writes, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you, You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just I have received authority from my father. I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen? May God give us understanding of his word this morning. Title of this message, The Other Jezebel Who Lived in Thyatira. The Apostle John was told by Jesus 
to write to the seven churches in Asia Minor, that's in modern day Western Turkey. This one in Thyatira addressed to the angel or pastor messenger of that church. Although we know that pastors are not angels, especially this one. The residents worshiped Apollo, the sun god, and the so-called Greek god, Zeus, which is supposed to be the son of Apollo. Of course, these are all false gods, but they worshiped them anyway and believed them. And uh, they're all false, they don't exist. And maybe this is why Jesus himself identified himself as the son of God with flaming eyes and feet like hot brass or bronze because he outshines even the brightest star and even the rays of the sun. He is the bright and morning star. Let's have a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we need to be tuned in this morning to your word. Our ears need to be open and our hearts to receive your word. This, uh, your word is spiritually discerned. And without your spirit, we can't understand it. So Lord, help us and apply these things that we're about to learn in our own life, in a practical way, on a daily basis. Give us understanding, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus commends the believers in Thyatira for their good works. That's always a good thing. There's plenty of work around it that needs to be done. And certainly we thank everybody that does do those good works. Some people that are not here today because of sickness, they do good works, and we, we thank each and every one of you. That's a good thing, it needs to be done. He commends the, the believers there for their good works, their love, their faith, and their service. And they were also a loving church, uh, which is a quality that was lacking in the church of Ephesus, if you remember. The believers in this church, they also exhibited patient endurance living among those idolatrous persecutors. Those Christians, like many Christians in this world, are being persecuted for their faith. And they were particularly amongst those pagans who worshipped gods that didn't even exist. False gods, false idols. So he commends them, he you know, gives them a pat on the back, but then he scolds them. Jesus scolds the church because they tolerated a false prophetess. She claimed to be a prophet, and her name was Jezebel. Now that name, you're probably familiar with, do you know? I don't know anybody named Jezebel, do you? You may, but because that name has so many negative, wicked connotations, nobody in their right mind will probably name their child Jezebel. 
she was persuading members or people that attended that church to practice immorality and idolatry and eating foods that were sacrificed to idols. The name Jezebel may have been a real name. There's no reason to think why it shouldn't be. Or it could um, be associated with the Jezebel that we know about in the Old Testament, who was the wife of King Ahab. Remember that? Of Israel. She was a vicious, violent woman and promoted the worship of Baal, the sun god that again doesn't exist, and through her wickedness persuaded Ahab to kill many of God's prophets. Some Bible scholars also believe that uh, the Thyatira Jezebel that we're learning about may have even been the wife of the church's pastor. Whatever her role was in the church, she wielded a lot of power and influence. And we know that some pastor's wives wield a lot of power and influence. I thank God for mine, who's a godly woman. Amen? Best pastor's wife a man could ever have. I'm so grateful for her and blessed. Verse 21 says, I have given her time to repent. So you see the mercy and the patience of Jesus. Even though she was so wicked and she was leading others into spiritual immorality. He's given her time to repent. To turn from those wicked ways. But what does he say? Verse 21. She's unwilling. She's not willing to change her wicked ways. Shows you how gracious and patient Jesus is, giving Jezebel time to repent. But because she loves sin more than she loved God, she wasn't willing to change. And unfortunately, so many people are in the same boat with the same unwillingness to give up their darling sins to put Jesus first. True repentance means forsaking sin. All right? You keep going back to the same old sin. You haven't really repented. True repentance means forsaking it altogether. Amen? So there's a consequence there's a negative outcome for her that refused to change. Jesus gave her time, but she was unwilling. Despite being the, given the opportunity to repent, she continued to tempt the Christians to indulge in immorality and idolatry, which was common practice amongst the pagans. The pagan residents in Thyatira. It's the common practice amongst the pagans in our society. Amen? The heathens. The unbelievers. It's just normal. That's what you do. You don't know any better. She did. She was in the church. She knew about Jesus. He gave her time to repent. She wasn't willing. So... 
what would happen then as a consequence of her rebellion? Well, she was going to suffer. Jesus pronounces judgment on Jezebel. He said, I will cast her on a bed of suffering. So she would suffer physically. She would be bedridden with some very serious illness inflicted upon her. This could possibly mean that Jezebel would die of some STD disease, which was quite common back in the day. We don't know for sure, but she was going to be cast on her bed of suffering. You reap what you sow. And also those men that committed adultery with her would also suffer greatly unless they repented. So he's giving them time to change their ways. They would suffer. She would definitely suffer. It was pronounced on her. She would be cast on a bed of suffering. This is what the word says. I'm not, it's not my opinion. This is what the word says. Now, sadly, because of Jezebel's continuous rebellion and refusing to repent of her wicked ways, it says that her children would suffer as well. Sin has a, an effect on other people, not just us. How would they suffer? Verse 23. I will strike her children dead. Don't know how many children she had, but they were going to die. Not because they deserved to die, because of her unwillingness to change and repent. Her sin led to their demise. So don't blame God. This was no idle threat. It's going to be carried out as promised. And the churches at that time, all seven of them in that area, they needed a wake-up call to show that God does not tolerate depraved behavior in the church. He doesn't tolerate it. He is holy, 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 and we are supposed to be different. We are supposed to be set apart. We are set apart. We've been called out of the world into his marvelous grace. So we have to make choices on a daily basis. Thankfully, though, some of those members of the church, when I say members of the church, if you become a Christian, you are a member of the body of Christ. Some of those believers, they resisted Jezebel's temptations. They resisted her corrupt teaching that came from the pit of hell itself, that came from Satan. What was he trying to do? His thing is he's always trying to do, and that's destroy the church. And if he doesn't come one way, he'll come another. He'll come from within. Amen? I've seen it. I've seen it. Satan tried to do that, even in this church. So what would happen? Jesus would not impose a judgment on those faithful few that had resisted 
and rejected the teaching of Jezebel. She was being controlled by the God of this world, by Satan, to destroy the church. And that's what he always tries to do. And because they had so much persecution going on, living among the pagans, they had all this stuff going on within the church and the immorality. They had enough on their plate to deal with. So Jesus was not going to impose any more of a burden on them, he says. Verse 24, the end. Except, verse 25, to hold on to what you have until I come. So they were suffering. But Jesus tells them to hang in there, to be encouraged. Resist that false teaching from Jezebel. Endure the suffering while they anticipated Jesus' return for his church. One day he's going to return like he's promised to do. Let me read Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14. Listen. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. All people. Jesus died for everybody on that cross, not just the frozen chosen. He died for all people. Of course, not everyone's going to be saved. Not everyone's going to believe and receive Jesus as their personal savior. But he died for everybody. Amen? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. This is just as relevant as it was written 2,000 years ago. Amen? While we wait for the blessed hope. Who's that? Can't hear you. Jesus. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. That's what... He wanted in the churches in Asia Minor, and that's what he wants for the church today, in our day. Verse 26. And to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. So Jesus promises those who honor him he will honor those that honor him to the end. They will be rewarded, given a position of authority over the nations. Now, according to Psalm chapter 2, someday the nations will unite together to oppose God. But of course, uh, God is almighty and he's all-powerful. These that oppose him will be defeated. And Jesus will return. He will set up his throne in Jerusalem 
and he'll rule and reign the nations in his kingdom for a thousand years. The millennial kingdom is going to happen. We will learn more about that as time goes by if you keep on coming in this book of Revelation. According to the prophets, Isaiah, Micah, Zechariah, Jesus' earthly kingdom will be glorious, a time of unprecedented peace, no crime, time of peace, prosperity, and holiness, because the king of kings will rule with a rod of iron. What will we be doing? I'm glad you thought about that. What will we be doing then? During Jesus' millennial kingdom reign, he will grant believers the privilege of sharing in his rule. Let's hear the word of the Lord, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. This is what Paul and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says. Talking to Christians, or do you not know, and most people don't, that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? So this is all going to take place during the millennial king when we've been given the privilege to serve him. The kingdom age hasn't happened yet. You know that already. But believers can look forward to serving the Lord in the future when that time comes. It's going to take place. It's all predicted. Every, every prophecy in the Bible is either come true, is, is true, and will be true. It'll come to pass. Some things have already come to pass already. Verse 27, that one, and this is referring to the Lord himself, will rule them, talking about the nations, with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. Psalm chapter 2, verse 9 predicts that Jesus will rule the nations with a rod of iron, and he will dash his enemies to pieces like a clay pot. At the end of Jesus' 1,000-year reign, <coughs> there will be some people who will not be saved, born during that time, who do not submit and that will rebel against Jesus' authority. Consequently, he will strike them dead with a sharp sword that proceeds from his mouth. It tells us that in Revelation chapter 19, verse 15. Verse 28. And I will also give that one the morning star Jesus promises the faithful in the church at Thyatira the morning star. If they endured the persecution to the end and put up with all the hardships that they were going through. 
You know, we have the morning star, it shines brightly. Some of you don't realize that. What's the purpose of the morning star? It serves as an indicator of the coming dawn. Amen? People who see the morning star, some of you probably don't get up that early, are encouraged by the fact that the long night is almost over and soon the sun will shine in its brilliance, dispelling all traces of darkness. That's what it'll be like during the millennium kingdom when Jesus reigns. The church in Thyatira was surrounded by immoral and spiritual darkness. But the time would come, he's telling them to hang in there, wait for my return, keep looking up. The time would come and will come that they will see the glorious rays shining, emitting from the face of Jesus Christ who is described in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. Guess what? Described as the morning star. He is the morning star. In the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, we learn that Israel, the people of Israel, their hope of the Messiah coming to establish his kingdom, it happens when the Son of Righteousness shall come. Jesus is the Son of Righteousness the bright and morning star. I think there's a veggie burger called that as well, isn't it? Is that what they call those things? Morning star? They're the best veggie burgers you could possibly eat, by the way. The best, I'm telling you. And you, you don't need to give me a cut for advertising that. I'll throw that in for nothing because I highly recommend them. You get them from BJ's. What's the other? And uh, stop, not stop and shop, the other one. Big Y. There you go. So I'll send her my fee later. Okay, last verse. Thanks for hanging in there, just like the church was told to do in Thyatira. Verse 29. And again, he always ends, he always ends his, his letter the same way. Whoever has ears, some are bigger than others, let them hear. I know I was, you know. Anyone had big ears? I grew, I, when I was a kid, I had the same size ears. That was an embarrassment. I inherited those from daddy, amongst other things. And I, you know, I grew into them. My head got bigger. Don't make any comments about that. And I finally grew into them. But imagine a kid with a small head with the same size ears as this. Anyway, he who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And they used to call me big ears, by the way. Thanks a lot. Jesus wants each church to read. Not just read, but heed. Take heed. Remember, that's an old word. Take heed. The message given to the churches. In Matthew chapter 7, I know some of you do take notes. 
The rest of us have got a perfect memory. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Jesus compared those who hear his words and obey them. This is the parable that he talks about. It compares them with two types of builders. The ones that heed the word and obey and the ones that do not heed and obey. He compares with two types of builders. One wise builder. What's the opposite of being wise? Foolish. One wise builder and one foolish builder. Those who obey Jesus' words are like a wise builder. He built his house on a rock, a solid foundation. Who is the rock? Jesus. Jesus is the rock that never rose. Remember I tried to build a little swimming pool when we were in Papua New Guinea. And we levered off the ground, we put the gravel down that we were supposed to, and then we put the water and it went like that. So instead of being three feet level, we had two feet on one side and three feet on the other. We used to call the three foot one the deep end. It wasn't built on a solid foundation. Hello, I should have put cement down. I should have put some concrete down instead of relying on the sinking sand. When the heavy rains came, the wise builder, he built his house on a solid foundation. When the rains came and the floods came, the house stood firm. However, the foolish builder, he built his house on sand. And when the heavy rains came and the floods came, what happened? His house collapsed. You know, it's only a wise person who will obey Jesus' words, not just to hear them, but obey them. The Lord is talking to us. He's talking to each one of us. I know he, he does. I know that he has. If our, anyone who has ears, and I'm looking around, I don't see anybody without ears. If we listen and we heed, we obey Jesus' words, then we'll enjoy peace on earth. That's what everyone is looking for. That's why they get into drugs and sex and alcohol. What are they searching for? Peace. And the only way they're going to receive true peace is by receiving the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Have you done that yet? Secure a home in heaven when you do that. A fool will always ignore Jesus' words. And they'll experience eternal destruction like the foolish man that built his house on sand. Eternal destruction. Like Jezebel did in the city of Thyatira. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for everyone that's come out. We do appreciate that.
We know that you do too. You have to come first. And uh, we know there's times that we do stumble when none of us are perfect. Little angels, you know that, we know that. But you give us time to repent and to change. And that's because you are so loving and compassionate and merciful and long-suffering and patient with us. Thank God that you are. You give us time. Help us to make a stand and resist the temptations that so easily beset us that so easily can draw us away from fellowship with you, where we experience true peace and a clear conscience. There may be somebody I know that there is, wherever you may be, it's not just here in this building. This message goes out on Facebook and on the internet and also through the Christian radio. Wherever you may be, you have heard this message. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Now you ought to know. Now you can. We've, we've read it today. We've been reminded that Jesus died for everybody. On that cross, he suffered and he died, he bled. Why? He paid the penalty for your sins and mine so that we wouldn't have to suffer eternal destruction, eternal separation from God. He took the punishment that we deserve for the sins that we've committed. So believe that. Thank him for doing it. And then believe that he did for you personally and he died on that cross in your place and he was buried and then on the third day Sunday he rose again from the dead and showed himself alive to many witnesses and if you believe that in your heart you confess Jesus his Lord you call upon his name to save you, and he promises that he will. It's the best choice, the best decision you'll ever make in your entire life because it's going to determine whether you'll, where you'll spend eternity. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.